Art of Visuals community and welcome to the Art of Visuals podcast, a content series to inspire the creators, the mavericks, the hustlers, and the visionaries who believe that art and creativity have the power to impact and change culture. This series was created for you, the explorers of the world. We're here because you're not alone on this journey to becoming your best self. This series shares real authentic stories direct from the world's most talented creative community. These stories are meant to inspire, motivate, and educate you and the rest of the AOV family. With over a decade of experience in entrepreneurship, content creation, and self-development, the AOV team is here to create a new kind of culture within our community, one that inspires action, love, growth, and fulfillment. You are now tuning in to the AOV Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Art of Visuals podcast. My name is Prince McClinton, and I am your host. And today's guest is master photographer Michael Shane Bloom. For those not familiar with his work, Michael is an incredibly dedicated and driven photographer and filmmaker based out of the Bay Area of California. He specializes in a wide range of photography, including time-lapse, nightscape, astro, aerial, travel, and adventure. Michael's also known on Instagram as Shane Bloom Photography, garnering over 600,000 followers and a feed that will leave you with serious wanderlust. Michael, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thanks so much for having me, man. This is a long time coming. Dude, it is a long time coming. I've been, I've been wanting to get you on the show for... A really long time, and I think our schedules just have not aligned in <laughs> historically. <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's like phone tag, but with podcasts. <laughs> Pod tag, bro, it's the new thing. I'm excited. It's a lot better than phone tag. Oh, definitely stoked to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you start us off with giving the community a little bit of background on yourself? Yeah, for sure. Do you want to know how it all started? I want to know how it all started, bro. <laughs> yeah. So my first. The first time I ever got a chance to take pictures hold was... On, hold on, before photos, who is Michael Shane Bloom? Let's, before we get into the photos, who is Michael Shane oh, Bloom? I don't know. Just, just I, <laughs> You know what? Uh, artist? You're an artist. Is that a good? Uh, is that a good description? Come from a normal family. Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> no? Parents, only child, dog. <laughs> Uh, used to, you know, build Legos and color, you know, color and coloring books and, and all that stuff. I think that's probably where it all started is, uh, the coloring books and the building of Legos. Dude, I think, I think that's, sounds about right. I mean, that's probably pretty much my start, except it was connects instead of Legos. Oh, damn. Yeah, dude. You weren't into Legos? No, man. I was more of a connects guy. Oh, man. I don't know about this podcast anymore. No, yeah, I wonder what the research would show. Connects guys, how do they turn out in later in life versus Lego kids? Be interesting. Oh, good, It'd be a really good study. I would like that. You know what's funny <laughs> is, uh, I, so I used to build Legos all the time. I used to build these big towers with with my Lego blocks. That was like my favorite thing to do. And then I don't know. I think that spawned into me wanting to kind of be an architect. <laughs> and then a, a bunch of people were telling me. Like I, I had a, I was really bad in math class. I, I think I had, I had like a math disorder. I don't know what the name was, but I went to a, a school psychologist and they were like, you're bad at math and you have a math disorder. I'm like, I don't know what that means. I guess I'm bad at math. All right. And then a bunch of people were telling me, oh, to be an architect, you need to be good at math. I was like, oh damn, I should, I guess I can't do that. And then later on I find out 
you have to know basic math to be an architect. It's not crazy amounts of math all the time. But anyways, kind of a funny story. Yeah, it's funny. We have a similar background. I, uh, I wanted to be an architect for a large part of my life as well because of my childhood and was doing CAD drafting in high school because of you know, the connects and used to play the Sims and only wanted to build houses. I didn't actually care about playing the game. I would just rosebud. Same here, and man. just like rosebud, get all the money and just build mansions. And just I would money. build the house. And then when it came down to playing the actual Sims, I would just be like, yeah, I'm just going to move on to the next house and build that one. <laughs> Dude, exactly. So how did you get into photography? Yeah. So there's two parts to that. Um, the first is I took a darkroom class at part of kind of like a summer program in middle school. Essentially, my parents sent me to summer school and they were like, you need to take a typing class. And then I think there was another general education class that I needed from that summer school program. But then you got two electives. You got two classes that you could pick that were supposed to be more fun. And the first I took was uh, mosaics which was actually really fun. Uh, I haven't done it since, but I made this like mosaic stained glass thing, gave it to my mom. She was really happy about it. Mm. And then the second class was kind of a black and white 35 millimeter film darkroom class. So we basically went out with some photographers. We shot black and white film, and then they took us back to a darkroom to process the film. And that was the first time. It was super, super fun, but of course, after that, I didn't really have the ability to keep doing that. I mean, there's, you know, I didn't have a film camera. I didn't have film. I didn't have a dark, dark room in middle school, so uh, it was kind of a one-off thing that I really enjoyed, and I was like, oh, man, sometime I would love to get back to this, and I got for a birthday present before I went to high school, I got my first digital camera. And that was kind of the real start of it all. That's that's when I started taking pictures every single day. I'd go out, take pictures. Didn't matter what it was of. Could have been of friends. Could have been of snails. Could have been of just cracks on the wall. I just took pictures of everything I could possibly see, everything I did. I always had my camera with me. It was pretty much glued to my hand. And I pretty much went through high school like that. <laughs> wow. What was that? Do you remember the camera? Um, oh my gosh, a Canon, a Canon Rebel XT. That was the camera. And I had my kit lens, had that for three or four years, that, that camera. And then the kit lens broke and I had to buy a new one. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder the the XT, so that must've been the model before my, I think my first digital camera was the XTI. Mm-hmm. My friend got that one, uh, I think, a year or two later, and then we used to go out and take pictures together, and I used to always be jealous of his camera because I think it was two more megapixels. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't remember if mine was six or eight, but, yeah, it was pretty funny. Dude, I love that. So you picked up this digital camera. Funny enough, the first digital camera I used, though, was uh, on a trip, and I used my mom's Olympus digital camera, and that was actually one megapixel. And I've looked at the photos that I took. My mom actually wanted to print them, and they literally won't print any bigger than, like, a postcard. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. They're like a stamp. That's so great. One megapixel. Mm -hmm. It's it's – I mean, I guess back then, though, it's like – 
no one was printing photos large unless you were like a professional photographer. So, yeah, and most people, you know, they weren't caring as much about. I mean, you know, most people they'll just take those pictures to Costco or Kinkos or wherever people, you know, it's print the memory. Stuff like that. It's the memory, yeah, not the. Sure. They're not. It wasn't about the quality of the image. It was about the memory. Mm-hmm. So it didn't really matter as long as there was something there. <laughs> yeah, it was okay. Hey, I mean, we have the prints. They look. They look pretty good, you know, for being that small. It's pretty funny. Dude, so who inspires you? You're such an influential guy in in the space. Who inspires you as a photographer? Oh, man, there's so many. There's, I I mean, I could list off hundreds of people right now. I mean, it doesn't have to be photographers. It could be artists. It could be, you know, anyone. You know what's funny? I get inspired a lot by, of course, photographers, but also artists outside of photography, musicians, uh, filmmakers, like directors. And I'm trying to think off the top of my head of, of specific people. I don't want to like mention a bunch of people and leave people out. Uh, but I'm I'm super inspired just by anyone who's doing anything creative. I mean that that kind of. You know, it, it really doesn't matter what it is. I mean, I've listened to songs before where it's just inspired me so much to where I, I end up getting a concept in my head that I might want to explore through my photography or through my video. And um, so uh, I also even just going to museums and kind of observing paintings. I mean, that can be something that really fuels my inspiration as well. Dude, I love it. I love museums. Like you, I get a lot of inspiration from music, so I can totally relate to that. Let's talk about your new vlog. Would you mind... Well, first of all, I watched every episode of it today. Um, Ah, thanks, man. Yeah, and so during that time from when you and I first spoke, uh, I was working on a few... I was working on this tutorial, and then afterwards, uh, I went and watched New Zealand Part 1 to the Desert one, and there was one other. Um, I think there was was four. Yeah, so I'd, I've done three parts to the New Zealand uh, series. Well, I guess it, series is three, right? Mm-hmm. Anyways, sure. Um, <laughs> there's going to be two more for that. But yeah, I have three out for New Zealand. And then I did one vlog with Nick Page in Death Valley, and that was super fun, too. It's It's been an interesting thing to explore. I've been asked a lot in the past to just kind of like behind, you know, film what I'm doing behind the scenes. People want to see how I'm capturing these time lapses and photos. And, you know, I wasn't always the best in front of a camera and I still think I have a lot of work to do to, you know, improve that. But it's been a fun kind of challenge for myself to put myself out there like that on camera and edit together this sort of behind the scenes story and still keep that same cinematic quality that I try to hold to uh, my time-lapse and aerial films. Dude, I love it because at the beginning of the vlogs, it's very like personal. So you get to receive more in depth information on just kind of who you are, your personality, where you're at, what you're up to, who you're with. And then from there, it goes into like these beautiful landscape shots and video clips of like where you're headed, talking a little bit about what you're going to do sometimes, nice cinematic music. Then you're in the field and it's sweet. You get to see your gear set up and you're talking about what you're doing, why you're doing it, time of day, what you're hoping to achieve, scouting, etc. And then I love how you end them with showing either the time lapse, you know, at the very end and then moving into photographs that you took 
on location and more or less critiquing the image in a way and just kind of explaining, hey, this is how I shot this, this is why I did this, mm-hmm. this is what my settings was, this is what I was trying to achieve. And it's just such a well-rounded vlog and there's so much information and there's so many nuggets of just gold spread oh, throughout man. every episode. Uh, it was Thanks so much. Very, it's very intriguing to watch and very entertaining and I really, I mean, I subscribed. Oh, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah, you know what it is too is... Um, I think it also came like the idea of doing these sort of personal behind the scenes videos. It also came from being a little bit burnt out. And I think a lot of artists feel that way. I mean, a lot of people listening to this, you know, maybe at times you feel burnt out with the work that you're creating. And I think I was feeling that I was just like, man, I I don't know. I don't know if I feel inspired right now and maybe I need to try something new. And it was just such a different thing to try. I mean, you know, doing the time-lapse videos and aerial videos and photographs are fun, but this was a way where I could, you know, cut together music with, with vocal audio and with just regular cinematic shots and aerial shots and time-lapse. I could just mix all the different things I enjoy doing into one. And it became this exciting challenge. And I'll tell you, when I put out that first New Zealand vlog, episode one, I was so scared of what people might, you know. I know I know it's like a irrational fear, but I was like, man, I hope people, you know, well, I hope this is well-received because I've never really put, I've never really done something like this. I mean, really, it was just, you know, I've done tutorials in the past and that that's about it. But, man, I'm, I'm just really happy people enjoy them because they're super fun to make. So I'll be doing a bunch in the future, hopefully. Dude, you've been you've been killing it with the vlogs. I'm so grateful that you have started this series and have been putting out this content for people all over the world to just be able to get a, a deeper insight to your world and how you go about doing what you do. And I think there's tons of people, you know, learning from from you. And, and that's Dude, that's beautiful. Like you're helping lots of people, whether they let you know. And I'm sure you've gotten already messages and comments and and things like that. But, you know, there's also a lot of people that won't ever say anything, but you've made a a difference (laughs) in their life, which is really like that's a really good feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And so kudos, kudos to you for that. And kudos for you. You know, I know you a little bit better than, you know, probably most of your followers, at least on Instagram. Mm -hmm. You know, I've never got to spend time with you. And and so my hat's off to you, too, for just coming out of your shell. And, you know, I know that probably wasn't easy to just be on camera and start talking and, no, and things like weird, that. But you're man. natural at it. You're, you're very much so natural and you look comfortable and you look good and it, you're, you're good. Like, you don't need to get better. Just I love that you're just being you. And I don't feel like I'm watching a different Michael. I didn't watch him. But mm-hmm. yo, that's not. How Michael is he's not he's not that like this crazy like that's just not trust me that's not him guys definitely yeah. you and I like that yeah I, I don't think I yeah well thank you first of all yeah it's you know my my personality I'm not I'm not the most crazy charismatic person but you know hopefully people enjoy the personality that's in there I mean you know I I'm just a dude go out create some photos and time lapses and if you want to follow along and enjoy it then sweet you know <laughs> <laughs> so what's the journey been like so you, i mean where you're at today i mean you got a vlog you're shooting with you know you've worked with clients verizon bmw google nike different tourism boards 
uh, Nikon. You got so much going on today, and we'll get into some of that a little bit later. But what's the journey been like, you know, from Michael, who fell in love with the camera years and years ago, to today? What's that journey been like going from hobbyist and just having fun to professional and this is, you know, this is how you make your living. Oh man. Yeah. It's been kind of a, you know, I, I think it's been sort of a rocky road in a lot of ways. There's been some ups and downs, of course. What's that journey look like? I mean, you know, it didn't all just come at once. Of course, it, it really did happen as a, as a pretty long transition. I'm trying to think to my first photography jobs, really my first photography jobs were in high school. They were just small gigs. Uh, you know, I would get paid like 20 bucks, go shoot a concert uh, or do some senior portraits or do some events. Then I started doing weddings. I got really into action sports, so I shot skateboard. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and of course, I was just taking any possible uh, job opportunity I could get because I didn't, I didn't have another job in high school. So that's where it all started. Um, and then in high school, in uh, sorry, in college, I started doing a little bit of video and I started getting hired to edit videos together. So I would edit these little videos together for magazines. Um, like some, a, a photographer would go out and shoot behind the scenes video of a photo shoot, like a photo shoot for, you know, let's say glamor magazine or something like that. And then they would send me all the footage and I would edit it together. And then I'd get paid like 250 bucks for like a week's week of work. And that's kind of where it all started. Uh, that's when I started doing, you know, more videos. And but all the while I was doing that and doing portraiture and doing studio stuff, I, I always shot nature on the side. It was always my personal thing. Like, here's what I do for work. So all the while I was doing, you know, the studio, the portrait stuff, the behind the scenes video editing for work, I was shooting nature on the side. So, uh, you know, anytime I would have any free time, I would go try and capture a seascape or, you know, capture sunset. And a lot of people were telling me at that time, you know, you're, there's, there's no, there's no money. There's no career here for you with this, with the outdoor photography and the nature and the landscape. This isn't realistic for you to try and chase, you know, you, it's fine. You're doing it for personal work, but you know, portraits and studio and this, this is where you need to focus. But I, you know, it just wasn't really where my passion was. Like I didn't, I didn't get that same sense of excitement from shooting that type of work as I did when I was out in nature or even just out capturing a cityscape. I just, I just didn't want to be in a studio. I just didn't want to sit there editing videos for other people. So I, I still just kept building that landscape photography portfolio and getting into time lapse. And I think the transition for me, the moment, is I started capturing astrophotography. I think it was 2010 or 2011. And my astrophotography started getting the attention of different blogs. They, they started getting featured by big pages. Uh, big companies would start sharing my work, like, you know, the other channel or you know, different online magazines and whatnot. And I started getting eyes on my work, my landscape work, which before was just personal for me. The only people who ever saw that were me, my friends, and my family. And then it went from five people seeing 
you know, a photograph of a seascape to 50 people seeing that same photograph, and then 500 people, and then 5,000 people. And then it'd get posted onto one of these blogs, and 50,000 people would see it. So it just started growing, and people started to follow me on Facebook and, you know, on Flickr and different websites. And then I started getting a lot of interest in that stuff. People started wanting prints. I would say the biggest turning moment for me, though, you know, all while doing that was I released a time-lapse film onto Vimeo. And that time-lapse film ended up getting featured by Vimeo and ended up kind of going viral. And from there, I started getting people emailing me about the film, like, hey, we want to hire you to shoot time-lapse. And I was like, whoa, you want to hire me to shoot this? Like, the stuff that I love shooting, that I've been shooting, this is a job? Like, this could be a job? (laughs) So as soon as that stuff started coming in, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to focus on landscape. I'm going to focus on time lapse. I'm going to do all this stuff that I love doing that I'm starting to see potential in. And I'm ditching all this other stuff that I was getting paid close to nothing for that I couldn't afford to even have my apartment with, you know? I mean, I had to move back in my in with my parents and hang out there for a little bit. And then I started getting this other work. And the thing that was always my passion that I loved doing finally kind of shaped itself. And I was able to start doing that as work. And I don't know, it was definitely one of those satisfying moments where all those people who told me, hey, you can't do this. This isn't possible. Well, it it was possible. It was just unlikely, you know, and now after years and years, well, not too many years, but <laughs> after that time, uh, I guess uh, six or seven years later, I'm I'm here still doing the same thing, but still having fun, finding new new things to do. And man, it's it, it's just still so fun to go out there and take pictures. Dude, I love it. I love I can see what I love about you, I think, most is that I can. You know, every time I get to spend some time with you, I can always see like the inner kid in you that's just like stoked, just so <laughs> stoked to just be around some good people, be around cameras, be out shooting and just doing like it's almost just like I mean, I imagine you probably sometimes wake up. And you're like, I can't believe this is like my life. Like this is just it's kind of weird sometimes. It's like you have friends, I'm sure that have really traditional jobs and, you know, and mm-hmm. it's it's kind of crazy to realize it's like, Hey, like, this is what I do. Yeah. It's, I mean, I have friends who of course have, you know, the regular jobs and they, you know, they enjoy it for the most part and do their thing. And I think to them, what I do is very abstract. They're like, wait, what do you do again? (laughs) You got to take pictures and people, people just like, pay for it where are they coming from who you know when are they contacting you you don't get a salary or no it's it's a weird you know it's a weird life it's a lot of fun um there's the pros and cons to it of course it's a little unstable (laughs) in a lot of ways it's and and of course you get as much out of it as you put in i mean it's a it's a ton of work what what people don't see on instagram and on facebook and things like that is i'm working about 12 hours a day close to 10 to at least 11 hours usually. I mean, I'm, unless I'm out, you know, I mean, shooting is still kind of working, but it, it, the stuff outside of the actual shooting, there is quite a bit of uh, 
work that would resemble a nine to five job <laughs> in there as well. But man, I, I couldn't ask for, it's a dream. And I'm just so thankful that, you know, if you had asked me 10 years ago, or if you had told me 10 years ago, hey, you're going to be doing this and this is going to be your job, I would have told you, no, there's no way that's even remotely possible. Like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but it, it's, that's not possible. Like, get out of here. Right. So, and, and of course, yeah, I, I, I do feel like a kid a lot of the times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just still, you know, editing pictures and doing the same things I was kind of doing in high school, just professionally and with a little more drive to it, I guess. <laughs> right. You know, I think... Some people are built for it. And when I say built for it, uh, I don't necessarily mean photography. It could be entrepreneurship. It could be photography, filmmaking, whatever it may be. Uh, but some things to pe- like to some people, 11 hours of editing photos and video and stuff is very much so work. Mm-hmm. To some people, 11 hours of shooting and editing photos and video is very much so just 11 hours of play. Yeah. You know, and obviously like any play in competition, you get frustrated from time to time, but for (laughs) the most part, it's pretty darn enjoyable. You're just kind of in the zone doing, this is your thing. This is what, if you could be doing anything, this is what you'd be doing. So you're just kind of like, this is just kind of your life. It's just, for sure. It's just play. Like, it's just kind of what I do. I get up and I do these things and you can call it work, call it play, but. I mean, yeah, I would definitely just be editing photos and videos if I, if it was my free time as well, you know, and that is the fun part of the job. I, I love editing, editing pictures and video and going out and taking the pictures and taking the video and meeting other photographers. And I mean, that's the most fun part. And then you know, the two out, two or three hours a day of the admin work, like the emails and the, you know, signing contracts and the doing the business meetings. That's the less than ideal. That's the not fun part. But the best part about that is that allows me to do the fun part. I mean, right. you know, you got to get through the less fun stuff to do the actual stuff that you really, really love. So, you, you, you know, in any job, you're never going to escape that. But I'm just I'm just so stoked to to do photography and video and I'm just happy people I've met, I've met so many great people in this industry and uh, it's just incredible. What are, what are one of the moments that stick out to you where you experience some pretty intense uh, adversity in your journey? You know, cause a lot of times you hear these, these people's stories and sa- sadly a lot of these artists look at these guys and, and they truly think that they had overnight success which is rarely, rarely true. I mean, you've been at it easily, you know, the last decade, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. And so along that journey, you know, what's something that stands out that was just a, a, a difficult challenge that you were able to, to, to get through? Because there's a lot of people that, have, that are losing hope or have lost hope. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love for them to hear something that might, you know, be able to get them through whatever they might be going through right now. Oh, man, yeah, I've had just different situations. I've had work that hasn't, you know, worked out. I've had clients that, you know, didn't, I've had, I've had jobs where, you know, like even thinking of, I can't say anything specific, obviously, but I'm thinking back to a job I did right after college where I went out and shot this event and I did everything exactly how, you know, 
the person asked me to do it. And I even went down on my day rate to help the person out. And they were, you know, they were just, just gave me all these promises of, they knew that I was fresh out of college and that I, I was hungry and I needed work. And, you know, they gave me all these promises. Oh man, this is the first of many jobs are going to do. It's going to be great. Just, you know, give me a discount on this one. And so I drove down to LA and I went out and shot it. And man, the, the guy just, he made up these excuses of why, you know, the shots were just, maybe he really wasn't, you know, happy with what I had done, but I did literally exactly what he asked me to do. And all the rest of the crew was like, oh man, this stuff is great. This is going to be awesome. And then the guy just was like, this is terrible. This is terrible. I'm not, I'm not going to pay you for this. And I was like, what? But I, I went out and I did the work and he just, you know, he just didn't pay me. He just yelled at me on the phone and didn't pay me. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I can do here. I guess I just, I think, I don't think you had any intention of paying me for this at all. I think you just wanted me to go out there and shoot these, sh this stuff for you for free. And I've had situations like that, getting kind of being naive and getting less than ideal situations out of it. And, but man, every, every, everything that I've done has been some sort of learning experience and some sort of growth. I mean, that, that was a learning experience for sure. And so, you know, that, that's a good example. There's, I mean, there's been years, there's been one or two years where I just, I haven't gotten work. Like the work just stopped for whatever reason. And I've taken that, those kind of moments to reflect on the work that I'm doing and what I need to change and what I need to grow and what are the other, you know, sources of revenue I can make from this to, to make my dream still work. Like I'm not going to give up on it. I'm not going to say, well, no one's hiring me for this. I guess I should just give up. I mean, it, got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. You got to, you got to change something to make it work. So yeah, there's been moments like that. I'm trying to think of the specific year where, where that was really an issue. I, re I remember there was w one year where I was like, man, I even told my parents, I was like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to make it doing this. There's, there's like a McDonald's by my, my house back home. I'm, I'm sure they're hiring. I, I think I could maybe do that. I don't know. But anyways, yeah, there. <sighs> Anyone who's feeling that, just know that those low points, you know, just you just kind of have to grow from them and turn them into high points. I mean, I'm thankful for all those moments that I felt down, not only on my work or uh, not only on the art I, that I was creating, but maybe the work that was coming in, just all of that. Just take those moments, those low points and turn them into learning experiences, turn, you know, what can you do differently? How can you grow from those lower points and just make a better situation out of it? Dude, I, I don't think you could have said that any better. They totally are learning. They're the most masterful of learning experiences is, is are some of the hardest experiences to go through. But I can promise you after dealing with one or two people that don't pay you, you kind of know what to look for when mm -hmm. you you pick up on the way that people speak to you, the way they overpromise on they say weird things. Wait, you know they're selling you on future opportunities and lots of money and weird things that you just except they don't have the money today. It's mm -hmm. you pick up on small things and you start to realize, okay, I don't need to be working with these types of people because I don't think they have anything. Versus getting sold into the lie, right? Getting yeah. sold into someone else's dream and you're just kind of a, a pawn. And so it's, it's cool to hear that from you. And, and I appreciate you being so vulnerable and just open with, 
sharing those experiences because they're so helpful for so many people because we've all gone through. Of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you definitely grow from those experiences and a lot of people are very good at picking things up quickly and I'm just, I'm not that person. I have to, I have to go through something and it needs to be very visual for me to get it, you know? And so oftentimes when I'm trying something, then this is goes beyond that job that I did and other jobs I've done, just, you know, trying new things in general. Most of the time I'll fail at first, but you know, I'll pick it up. I'll start to learn things from it. And then after failing once or twice, I'll start to succeed in it, you know, and it just, you need the failures for the success, right? Mm-hmm. I was, I was actually thinking of a funny fail fast, fail often, <laughs> <I> say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of truth to that. For sure. I'm trying to think of a funny situation. There was actually one, uh, I can't say who, and uh, you know, this was in 2014. There was somebody who ended up stealing my time-lapse footage and it ended up getting broadcast on a TV show to like on a big network. And we didn't have any contract sign. They didn't have contracts for the footage. We didn't have a negotiated price yet. Um, basically they had asked for the footage. This is a big network at, for a big TV show. And they had asked for the footage. I sent, uh, they had asked for the raw footage so they could test it. And I was like, well, they're a huge network. They're not going to, you know, screw me over, right? Yeah, it'll be fine. So I sent over the footage and then uh, one of the, uh, you know, assistants, one of the PAs or whatever, sent it to the editors and they put it into the TV show. And they were like, "Uh, we played your clip live, even though we didn't have a contract and all this. And I was like, oh, that's not good. You guys, you guys (laughs) just stole my footage. Uh, So here, I'm going to, here's a contract for what the footage was plus the, you know, plus the compensation and everything. And they were like, oh, we don't want to pay this. We're going to pay you that. And they sent me a really small price versus what it's worth to show something on worldwide broadcast. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And they obviously uh, needed it. Sounds like they didn't get the shots that they were supposed to get. So they stole your footage to use. No, yeah. They, they needed footage for, for the show. And, um, <laughs> And then I was like, well, that's not the price that this is worth. And and then the next email I got back was from three of their lawyers. And they they sent they were like, you know, I was like, no more contact with the network people that I had no more contact with anyone. It was like, nope, here are our lawyers. If you want to go this route, here are these people and you're just going to go broke, you know, so. There's, it was basically like, there's nothing you can do about this. You take this check or, you know, I mean, you're, you're not, I don't know. So that was another, that was another funny situation that was a learning experience. I mean, dude, that's nasty. ah. Like that makes, I'm, I'm such like a people's champ, uh, by nature that makes my blood, I like want to leap through this computer screen and like go fight this guy with you. Like I'm so (laughs) upset, like hearing that story and I'm so upset that. You know, because I've, I've, I've been in situations where I've been strong arm before by just a massive corporation. And, and, and it's it's a hard reality when they sick a lawyer on you and you say, I'm totally in the right. And if I actually had the resources to lawyer up and fight these guys, I'd probably end up winning a massive lawsuit because they're, they're totally in the wrong. For sure. Yeah. And you can't just treat people like that. But because you don't you will never see the light of day. Like when they literally say they'll bury you 
financially, they will bury you financially and it's not worth, yeah. it's not worth that, you know, and it's, that's a sad situation. Um, but a serious learning experience. I remember being pretty upset at the time. And now I just look back at it and start to sort of laugh <laughs> at, you know, who stole my footage. I was just like, this is kind of hilarious. Uh, but yeah, at the time it was, man, I, I yeah, I, what a situation. But anyways, going back to what we were talking about, all of these are learning experiences. Mm -hmm. I don't send footage to, you know, even <laughs> if they want a tester terrible experience to be like, okay, I should probably not do this anymore. So, right. you know, yeah. Here's a tester with sample all over, like all over the screen. <laughs> There's some truth to that. Yeah. Like, oh, gotta, I, gotta have a nice watermark or it's low resolution footage or, mm -hmm. you know, I, I am so, I'm very skeptical to be sending people that stuff anymore. Cause even though it's, it's rare that it happens, happened to me. So what would you say has been one of the biggest things that you have learned running your own photography business? Mm, biggest things to, that I've learned from the business side, mm -hmm. mm, being adaptable, understanding that just because something is the way it is at one time, it, I mean, we're in such a changing industry that you need to learn to adapt pretty quickly and I'm not the best at that, but, you know, I see the way things are moving and I can kind of adapt with what I'm doing and have, you know, multiple streams of revenue and, and constantly trying new things, not just sticking to one thing. And I, I think that's important, specifically in, in my genre, in landscape and cityscape and stuff like that. I think that if, you know, in other forms of photography, this isn't quite as important to have the multiple revenue streams and constantly be adapting. But I think specifically in, in landscape and cityscape, it's such a weird career that, you know, it's, it's not like no one, no one really needs a picture of a beautiful place. You might want a picture of a beautiful place. And I think it's great that they exist and, and, you know, it makes people happy, but you know, when you think to other forms of photography, like product photography, this company needs a picture of their product. They're going to pay somebody to do this. Uh, people who are getting married, they need pictures of their wedding. They're going to pay people to do this. Um, oftentimes, the thing that gets cut out of, from marketing standpoint, the quickest is just photography and, you know, landscape photography, scenic photography, time lapse, stuff like that is like the first thing to go when a budget doesn't work. So, Understanding that, you know, it's, everything is constantly changing, all these social media platforms, um, the way people are interacting, the amount of people, the saturation in the industry. Yeah, that's been something I, I keep my eye on. So mm -hmm. as far as what I do, I mean, I do education, workshops, tutorials. I'm doing commercial work. I'm, you know, selling a few prints here and there and a little bit of um, ambassadorship type stuff for companies, but it's not just one thing. It's, it's a lot of different stuff. So, you know, if something isn't working out, I can kind of move, move in one of the directions of different things I've chosen, you know? Right. Which is nice. You don't have to force any one specific thing to constantly go, which is nice. Sorry for the rambling on that question, but uh, I guess uh, really my answer is just learning to adapt and understand if something isn't 
if something isn't going right business wise, you know, you, you really have to adapt it. You can't just keep doing the same thing and expect anything to change. Let me ask you this. Why do you moving on from some of the business stuff? Why do you do what you do? My answer to that? Yeah. What's your why? Well, specifically like what I do in photography, as far as the landscape city and scenic stuff, it's just the most fun thing for me to do. Uh, it's, it's where I have the most fun. It's where I feel the deepest connection in my work. It's the genre of, of photography and art where I feel like I'm able to express myself the most. And yeah, really that's it. I mean, it's just, it's a blast. Can I it's, say it's all I ever want to do. Your expression is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it really is, man. Like, you know, if, if your work is truly just an expression of yourself, like, dude, you are a very beautiful individual, my friend. Oh, well, thank you so much, sir. Most definitely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sand dune trip. I have a question. I've shot in sand dunes. I got some sand grain in my lens. I noticed that you didn't have any cover or anything on your lenses. How did that, how did that go? Do you, have you, did you not get any sand anywhere? my cameras got so sandy and I was honestly <laughs> pouring sand out of my camera bag for like a month after that. Like I was in LA just kind of shooting around and I, I put my camera bag on and I, when I, when I took it off at the spot, I noticed like a pile of sand was forming under it. I'm like, I shot at the dunes a month ago. How is there still sand pouring out of this bag? Yeah, you're right. I didn't have any covers on the on the cameras. I mean, I just cleaned them really well after. Mm -hmm. They were pretty grainy, but man, I I'm not I'm not so good on my gear. I kind of trash my gear a little bit. It's funny because I take care of it in a sense of like I clean my gear all the time. I'm, you know, I didn't never drop my gear or anything like that. But man, I I put I put those cameras and lenses through a lot of a lot of hell for gotcha. sure. So you definitely or on the back end taking care of them, but maybe not the most proactive person on the front end of just, you know, making sure they're protected and overthinking what you're doing or anything like no, that. No, no, no. It's in that moment. It's all about getting the shot. I just, I love it. I would rather, I'll totally break my camera if I'm going to get it, you know, the image that I, and I have done that before for sure. Like I'm thinking back to 2015, I was shooting a seascape, I didn't mean to break my camera, but <laughs> of course, you know, it wasn't like I was like, I need the shot, but I'm going to smash the camera against the rock. Uh, so I was shooting a seascape out in San Francisco and I was capturing this really incredible sunset. I mean, the most vivid pink clouds coming over through the sky and then this sunbeam straight through the middle. I actually have this photo. Um, the photo survived and I was able to post it. it was, yeah, the sunbeam coming through beautiful wave motion leading towards the camera. I mean, it was, it was one of my favorite moments out photographing and I got taken out by a rogue wave. So, you know, I, I was watching the tides pretty carefully, but, and it was a little rough. I was, you know, kind of in there, but a rogue wave came, came in, went over my head. It was so powerful. I got knocked over. So not only did my camera go down, but I went down in a, into a bunch of rocks could have been a way worse situation than it was. I just ended up with some bruises and scratches. But yeah, my camera was dead. Uh, my lens was trash. I think my cell phone actually may have died too. But anyways, I remember walking back to my car. I didn't give a shit about the camera. 
the only thing I cared about is this image better be on this memory card. This memory card better work. I was so scared. That was the only thing I cared about. I was so terrified that I was going to lose that photograph from that moment because that moment was so special. And I was like, if I lose this moment, I'm going to cry. So anyways, I drove back to my house and I had, I had the card in like a towel. It was nice and, you know, I was making sure it was dry on the car ride back home. And I remembered putting it in my hand and being like, this is the moment of truth. This is the moment. So I, I took the memory card, put it in the card reader, and sure enough, the images came up, and there was a, it was like confetti came out. Oh, my God. The yes. images. <laughs> and I forgot completely that I just, like, I, <laughs> I was, like, bleeding my legs and my arms, and my camera was just trash. It was just sitting over there just, you know, all, like, a lot of my gear and my cell phone and everything. But I had the photograph that was, oh, my God. It was such a, it was, it was this weird happy moment out of this really kind of terrible situation and of course after that i was like all right i better call insurance and figure this whole thing out but uh the the i got the photograph and i processed that photograph that night because i was so excited about it and i think i ended up posting it the next day i was like oh my gosh the photograph but i lost my gear but it doesn't matter because look at the photograph so yeah i'll lose i'll lose a camera to to get to get the images i mean I, yeah, I definitely put my gear through hell. I, I haven't broken. I'm, I'm making it seem like I break cameras every month or so. Mm -hmm. I, I really don't, but you know, it's. I don't care about the gear. It's right. all about. The, You're not overly sensitive about it. it is, I mean, it's a tool. It's meant to do what you need it to do. To do what it is that you want to do. Exactly. It's 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 just a tool. The photographs are the real, you know, important thing. Right. Do you remember what type of memory card that was? I'm just curious. That survived. Uh, the, the card. It's like a. It was an SD card. It was a probably like a SanDisk uh, Extreme or something. One of those wow. cards, I think. Yeah. Man, oh, <laughs> I was. You know what's funny though? I I have noticed that when cameras go down in in water, like even in in salt water or uh, or if like the water if the camera falls in a waterfall or something like that, the one thing to survive seems to be the memory cards. It's a lot more likely that the photographs are still going to be on the memory cards than, you know, the, the camera surviving. That's like a, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too excited about the camera working after going through that situation, but the memory cards, you can be submerged in water for quite a long time and actually work. I was surprised. The, the only camera that I've ever had that I truly can say is a tank of a camera is, uh, and I still have it, dude. Um, it actually just went out and I'm been contemplating on either buying another one or, getting it fixed just cause it's like the OG and I love it because it's so dependable with the five D Mark two. Like mm. I've had that thing in straight sheer downpour for out. Like, I mean just the worst conditions, ocean, like salt water <laughs> all over it, you know, massive wave comes up and just dunks the camera, all types of wild things, you know, and it just thing never stops firing. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, that's, and that's actually, I, I'm using the D850 right now. I switched from the mirrorless cameras to the DSLR, and a lot of people were asking me, why are you doing that? What about the weight of the mirrorless? Aren't they, you know, why, why would you go? It's They saw it as like taking a step backwards, but I'm like, I, I go out and shoot in a downpour, or I'm going out and shooting in a sandstorm, or I'm just out in these harsh 
conditions and these, you know, Nikon and Canon DSLRs just they're tanks. They're going to handle it. These these mirrorless cameras, a lot of the times, if you put them in the same situations that you'd put these other DSLRs in, they're going to die. <laughs> what does Nick do? So. so I know Nick Page, who you just got back from Death Valley, epic trip, epic vlog, stunning, stunning images captured there. Stunning mm. time lapse. The rainfall was incredible. Dude, oh, just, thanks, man. your vlog is seriously like... It's like a, it's like your vlog meets BBC Planet Earth. It's so sick. Um, That's a huge compliment. Thank you. <laughs> he shoots on the Sony A7R3. He's on the same camera as I am shooting on. And I was mm-hmm. curious: Is he? Did you see him talking? Did he say anything about weather or running into problems or anything special he does to his camera? Or I don't know. Maybe he just treats them better. I feel it seems like it from what I see. It seems like he's very like proactive and like you on the back and like cleans his stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he seems. Uh, I, I remember he was using the A seven R three. Yeah, I, honestly, I mean, we didn't really talk about it too much, but uh, uh, he's, yeah, maybe he just you know does yeah. a little bit more <laughs> to. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just bad at uh, like you know. Yeah. Having the the cameras in, maybe I need to learn when the conditions are too rough. <laughs> what do you think makes an image great, and what is the difference you know between a good image and a great image? All right, the first thing that comes to my head when you said that is what kind of what do you feel when you look at the photograph? Like, don't even think about what the photograph looks like, what you're seeing with your eyes. What are you feeling when you look at the photograph? Like, are you getting a strong reaction from it? I think that's maybe one of the things I would think, I would think too, when I, I think of is a photograph, you know, like a photograph can be technically well done, right? You're like, oh, that's a clean photograph. But what do you feel from it? You know, is it striking emotion in you? Are you getting all these different ideas, uh, building a story around the photograph? Or is it just, oh, hey, look, it's a photo. It looks nice. So striking more than just, a photo that looks good is technically well done. And I think that comes a lot with the creativity and how much passion somebody puts into what they're creating. Like that, that would be the one thing that I think of when I think of the difference between something that might be good or something. And of course this is all subjective, <laughs> but something that might be good or something that might be great. I love that. I, and I love that you threw that in there at the end. You know, we're in a sensitive world and, you know, some people might, that's not what makes a good image. This blog says that this is, you know, like it's, dude, it's art. I'd be wary of anyone that has the secret, you know, the secret outline to creating epic images. Uh. For sure. And, and the thing is, art is so subjective that something that I might like is completely different from something that somebody else might like and what you might like. And, um, you know, something that somebody thinks is great. Somebody could think is not, and then the vice versa. So, um, it's, it's just so subjective. There's no black and white with, you know, what we're doing it. We all, it's, it's all some sort of gray area in there. So, um, yeah. (laughs) What are ways that you are able to create mood in an image? You can definitely create. Well, so there, there's creating mood and then there's the mood that is presented to you. Right. And there's ways of accentuating that mood 
so if I was to go out into a scene and it's super dark and cloudy and it's raining on me and I'm cold and I'm wet and I'm windy it's and it's windy and I'm like, oh, this is really like dark and dramatic and eerie and this is, you know, it's not a happy scene, right? I'm not experiencing, I mean, I might be excited about what I'm witnessing, but it's, this isn't like a happy, blissful moment, right? The mood that I'm experiencing is really intense and dramatic and pretty uncomfortable to a certain extent. Um, so if I was to witness that in person, that feeling, I want to take that, I want to, I want the photograph to represent that, which I'm feeling, right? So I'll take the photograph you know, a little darker, a little more dramatic. And I might accentuate that in post using, um, dodging and burning and different color correction techniques. I'll bring in more blues to make it feel cooler, make it feel like it was cold when I was standing there. Um, so, so bringing out that mood and that's not to say like anyone who's going out and taking photographs, like you could be totally uncomfortable in this really dramatic situation and make the scene blissful if that's what you want to do. But personally, for my own artwork, if I'm experiencing something in that scene, I like to kind of represent that visually, right? Um, so in being there, witnessing the scene and saying, okay, this is what I'm experiencing. How can I take that in post or uh, take that in post and accentuate that? But also, of course, shooting like for example, if you're shooting a seascape and it's, or let's, let's take a waterfall, for example, um, just the choice of shutter speed that you use will completely change the mood of what the photograph is. So let's say you're standing in front of this incredibly powerful waterfall. The mist is blowing in your face. It's super dramatic. Um, you hear that crash in your ears when you're standing there. If you do a long exposure of that waterfall, it might s completely smooth out that water and make it look like a very peaceful, blissful scene. But of course, when you were standing there, it was super, super intense. It was an intense moment. So if you were to do a short exposure, you're seeing all those little water droplets come off of the waterfall, and suddenly that power gets revealed a little bit more if you're doing that short exposure. Mm -hmm. um, so your choice when you're shooting that image do I want to simplify this motion, make this feel like a more calming waterfall scene? Or do I want to show that power? Do I want this to be more dramatic and intense? I, you know, seeing all the splashes come off that waterfall, just all this immense amount of water coming off of here. And there's no right or wrong answer. It's just what the photographer wants to show. So that's kind of what I would think do, you know, in creating moods. You can do it in camera using different techniques, depending on where you want to point the camera as well, um, or also in post, you know, with color correction and all the different editing you can do. <laughs> right. So I have your one of your most recent favorite images pulled up here uh, that we spoke about earlier, and I just wanted to specifically talk about this image real quick. And mm -hmm. so if you guys are on uh, Michael's Instagram, it's the... Uh, second newest image, it's a seascape from two days ago, and I love this image. I love the balance. I love the color shift on the balance, like the sun's on the left side, but the rays mm -hmm. are like, it's like this, there's like a line right down the middle of the frame, and the rays are hitting on the right-hand side, and it, with the right side of the rock being taller than the left side, it has like this, and the movement, the, the slow shutter speed movement of the waves has this certain 
hurricane effect. Like almost like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm being like not just sucked in, but like, <laughs> like turned and just like just like like a black hole almost of just beauty. And it's oh, such yeah. a stunning, stunning image. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, the the story behind this. Yeah. So um, I, I love the way that image came out. And that was an image I worked on for quite a long time. Uh, I had gone to that beach uh, like 20 times before I got the, the right conditions for that shot, the right tide, the right cloud motion, the right light. And yeah, that S that kind of S curve created by the, the shape was something I, I was really excited about. And the wave motion with that little bit of, of light kind of kissing the top of the water, the color contrast between sort of the blues and the yellows was something that got me really excited. And that was, that was a photograph that took a while to kind of visualize. I mean, I had gone there multiple times just trying to capture this scene that works for this composition that I had found. And I just wasn't really getting it. You know, every time I would be like, there's something wrong with this or no, this isn't the right light. Or I don't know that there's something that feels off about this. And I finally went that, that evening for that sunset. And What's funny is that sunset that I captured that night, it burned like crazy after that. The clouds got super intense red. And, yeah, I took a few other pictures while that was happening. But that was my favorite shot, really golden light. And I named it Phoenix because when you look at the photograph, it kind of resembles a phoenix sort of, you know, the, the like a golden phoenix with the clouds kind of being the wings. I'm not looking at the photograph right now, but I'm just like (laughs) looking at, I'm just thinking about it from memory. Um, yeah, I took that one in, uh, when did I take that one? I think I took that one in 2014, but that was one of my favorite photographs. And still to this day, it's definitely one of my favorites. And it's hard to pinpoint, like I don't have a favorite photograph I've ever taken, but if I was to think back to images that I'm really proud of and, and moments that, yeah, just memories I want, I want to keep from photography. That would be, you know, a huge one for me is, is that photograph. I love it. it. It's kind of like, it almost looks like the hidden gateway to heaven. It's like, if you know where this is at, you can just, just, just pass through right here. If you know, <laughs> if you find, if the conditions line up, then you can enter the gates right here. Uh, for sure. And, and there's like, certain photographs like that too. I mean, there's some that you catch in a more spontaneous moment, like maybe conditions are changing and you see a scene that you didn't see before and you're capturing this more spontaneous moment. And then there's also those scenes that you try for, you try a long time for, and you keep trying and eventually you get it, you know? Um, Both are great, but that, that moment really, yeah, definitely sticks out to me. How many photos might you take in a day when you're not time-lapsing, like when you're out on a trip? Uh, Like if I was capturing, let's say a sunset outing, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll try different compositions. I usually like will go scout a place. Let's say I'm, let's paint a scenario. Let's say I'm on a beach uh, somewhere. So now this is is more or less how you approach a photograph. Yeah. Okay, cool. I like that's a better question anyways. Yeah. Let's say I like, you know, I scout a beach, you know, beforehand. I'm looking at different stuff that I might want to photograph for sunset. And then I go back for sunset and you know, I'll have these few ideas in my head, like I'll have like two or three ideas maybe of what I want to shoot, or maybe I'll only find one composition that I really want to showcase. 
and depending on what the light does, I'll I'll try and pick scenes that might offer different possibilities. Like if the light works over here, maybe this scene will work. If the light works over there to the other direction, maybe this scene will work. And I'll have that in my mind when I'm going out for sunset. Really though, realistically, I mean, if I go out for one sunset outing, I get maybe one shot, maybe one. It would be very lucky for me to go out on a seascape outing and get two shots. Most of the time it's zero, <laughs> if I'm being honest. But uh, if I'm lucky, if, like I'd be really stoked if I if I got one shot that I was really happy with from a sunset outing. Right, at the beach. that's up to your standards. Right. Yeah, it's just something yeah. I'm I could be proud of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, I love I love hearing that. Which I mean, obviously, there's a reason your feed looks the way it does. There's a reason why you, you know, have amass the success that you have uh every photo counts and you're you are a professional and i think that's what makes a professional professional something like that you know not coming back with 40 photos coming back with maybe one for sure and i I don't want to knock anyone who does do that though it's like if you go out and you take tons of images in one sunset outing and they all work for you i mean that's awesome i'm almost i'm a little envious of that (laughs) to be honest but uh you know just for my process i'm i just you know i hang out with my tripod you know i'll i'll (laughs) I'll tweak my composition ever so slightly like i might move like a few inches in one direction and that'll change the composition. I just keep kind of working that for sunset. And if I'm lucky, I can get to a second composition during that sunset. But oftentimes I just run out of time working on one shot because, you know, I'm really trying to get the right wave motion and the right Mm -hmm. foreground and, and the right detail in the sky and the, the sky to really complement and accentuate that foreground that I've chosen. And this is with, I'm not just talking about seascapes anymore, really with any, composition so it just it just takes me a long time to find it to be honest some people are quicker i'm i'm a little slower i'm like a turtle (laughs) see i love that though it's creative process and no one no one should aim to take someone else's creative process because that defeats the whole purpose the whole purpose Mm -hmm. of a creative process is it's your personal process that allows you to get the output that you'd like so if you're a musician and you can sit down in a setting and record a whole song record the music and two hours later have a hit then great if you're a musician, it takes you, you have to make 30, you know, throwaway songs before you have the hit. Great. Doesn't matter what your process is. Your process is your process. The end exactly. product is what matters to the people, right? And so however you achieve that is, that's your sauce. Whether you take a thousand photos to get one amazing photo or you take 10 or, you know, it takes two hours or 20 hours. It really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. As long as you're having fun and doing your thing. And I think everyone should always remember that with creative process. It's your process. I like that a lot. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, everyone's different. And there's no right or wrong way of doing this stuff. It's like cutting we're just tomatoes. Crea- we're just going out and taking pictures. We're creating art. Yeah, it's like that <laughs> person know? that comes in the kitchen and says, you're cutting the tomatoes wrong. You're like, oh, am I? Like, show <laughs> me the right way to cut this tomato because obviously I never got the class on how. Like, it's like, dude, you can cut them at t- you can cut it in slices, dice it, cute. Like, it, they're all the right way. <laughs> it's just what yeah, you There's going to be a tomato cutting expert in the... <laughs> A listener, you should be. Care- I don't know, man. We'll watch no, out for this. <laughs> um, for your uh, photos, I noticed some. You know, a lot of times you're shooting in direct sunlight. You're shooting into the sun. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any pointers for shooting into direct sunlight? Um, 
The two things that okay, so the two things that came to my head right when you said that is first, make sure your lens is as clean as possible. Because like when you face into your light source, that light source is going to shine on anything that's on your lens or on your sensor. If you have any sensor dust, that's going to get picked up. If you have any water spots on your lens, that's going to get picked up. If you have any dust on anything on the lens or on the sensor is going to get picked up by that sunlight and it's going to reflect on your image. Um, and you end up spending a ton of time in post trying to clone that stuff out. So a big thing. Yeah. Make sure to take some nice, uh, like lens wipes with you. Make sure you're wiping down your lens. If water spots are hitting your lens, make sure to use like a little rocket blower so you can blow off the, the water spots. Uh, and I recommend using that instead of a like microfiber cloth. Main reason for that, a microfiber cloth is going to smudge the lens more. And if you start wiping the lens enough with a microfiber cloth, eventually it's just going to kind of fog up the lens. So I recommend using like a rocket blower, if, especially if you're shooting water. Um, even even shooting those sand dunes, I was using the rocket blower constantly to just get uh, those little bits of sand off of the lens. Uh, so yeah, make sure your lens is clean, sensors clean. Uh, shooting into the sun and then the other recommendation let's see here um you will probably have to take multiple exposures depending on how bright the sunlight is so you know if you've ever taken a picture and your sky is perfectly exposed you see all those beautiful uh beautiful tones in the sky but your foreground is dark pitch black or vice versa you get that foreground looking amazing but then your sky is just all pure white uh, you have to take multiple exposures and blend those together to get that dynamic range because facing into the sun, you're seeing, you're just seeing so many different stops of light there. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and cameras are getting better and better. I remember when I used to first start shooting seascapes, I think I had a, I think I was using the Mark II when I first uh, was doing that stuff. And I would have to take at least 10 exposures just to get, uh, you know, a well-exposed photograph facing into the sun. Now with some of these new cameras coming out, you could probably do like, yeah, two or three, you know, yeah. and get it right. Uh, but it still might take doing multiple exposures to get the, the right exposure. And the thing is, it doesn't hurt to do multiple exposures and then not use them if you don't need them. Mm -hmm. The way I think about it is it's better to have those extra elements. If you need them, you don't have to use them. If you get it all in one shot, if you're able to bring up that shadow detail enough and bring out down those highlights enough to your liking – then great, but at least you have those extra photos in case that didn't work out. So, right. um, yeah, taking multiple exposures, and I do it manually. Some people have the little meter to where they can take five different exposures and it does it automatically. I'll just take a shot, click the shutter speed, maybe uh, two-thirds of a stop, so two clicks. So I'll take a, let's, let's say I start out super overexposed photo, click the photo, click it down, uh, two-thirds of a stop, take another photo, another photo, another photo, just keep clicking two-thirds of a stop until I get a dark enough exposure to my liking. Then I can, you know, maybe see a little bit of the sun and everything else is black. And then I might, yeah, like I said, I might not use all those exposures, but I have them in there in case I needed, uh, need them. Right. <clears throat> no, I love that. And I think that was great advice uh, for all photographers. It's like, just letting them know, like, hey, you don't have to do that, but it doesn't hurt. Um, you don't lose anything. And if you do need it, it's really nice to have those extra exposures to be able to create the image that, you know, you're looking to create. 
I had a few questions from the community from Instagram. Let me pull these up real quick. Oh, cool. You know how those go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. What do we have? Let's see what goodies. I, I do. I love asking the community for questions because you just never really know what you're going to get. <laughs> Will.p.fxbb ask, what is Michael's daily morning routine? Oh, wake up late. Love it. Uh, first, I usually wake up late. Unless I'm traveling or I'm doing something for a client. Like if I have to do something for a client, I'm usually up really early. Or if I'm traveling, I'm usually up before sunrise. But if I'm at home and I'm up to my own devices, <laughs> then I'm, you know, I wake up around like 9 or 10 and go... Coffee is a must, always with the coffee. I'm either driving to go get some coffee and breakfast or I'll make my own coffee and make a smoothie. And uh, from there, sit down and emails. It's got to be emails first. Uh, see what people need from me, if anything needs to be done email-wise. And, uh, and then I'll dive into some other more fun stuff after that. I'll usually go into like processing some images or time-lapse or videos, or if a client needs some stuff done, then I'll, I'll do that. But that's usually how my daily routine goes. Um, if I'm at home, if I'm traveling, it's just like wake up before sunrise, feel groggy, get coffee, <laughs> fall asleep during the day, you know, something <laughs> like that. I love it. Uh, scariest thing that has happened to you while out shooting. Oh man. You have any scary run-ins in SF? Hmm. I'm trying to think I I've had, I had somebody, uh, I was shooting time-lapse out in the city with a buddy of mine. We set up a slider system, and we were shooting out near the Embarcadero. And this really scary hooded guy kept lurking around. And I was talking to my friend, and I was like, uh, I don't like the way this guy is just kind of, you know, hanging out right here. And he just felt like he was watching us. And I didn't feel very comfortable because we had all our camera gear out. And... I had an extra tripod with me, so I grabbed my tripod, and this guy, he started yelling. He was just yelling to himself, maybe, or I don't know. But the thing is, he was yelling, and he started walking towards me and my friend, like right towards us. And he's yelling, and it looks like he's yelling at us. And I'm like, oh, what is going on here? So I grabbed my tripod, and I was like, if this guy pulls something, I'm going to I'm going to try and swing this thing as hard as I can, you know, uh, and, and he, he just like, I don't know. Yeah. His shady figure. He was just yelling at the top of his lungs while walking towards me and my friend. And of course he walks right towards us, but then just passes us. I was like, Oh my gosh, that was so scary. Me and my friend looked at each other. We're like, what just happened? That was so terrifying. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to be here right now. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? Anytime I'm in the city in San Francisco, I always go shoot with people. Um, it, honestly, at this point, it's not safe to go shoot alone in San Francisco anymore. There's so many people who are going out trying to mug people with cameras. It's really unfortunate. Uh, it really it, it's, it's the reality. Uh, scary situations, though. I mean, I've had yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Off the top of my head, nothing super recent. I mean, when I went down in that in that wave, that was pretty scary. I saw the wave crash over my head, and I was like, "Oh my god!" The ocean uh, is a scary place, man. It's, I mean, nature. You understand, nature is. I mean, it's not forgiving, and that's that is dangerous stuff. For sure. Yeah, it's not. Uh, 
I don't, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of a situation that was super scary recently. I don't, I don't have any, um, but, but yeah, I, I guess we were, since we were talking about that, that seascape incident, that, that was, that was one that sticks out to me. And yeah, seeing a, a giant wave engulf you is, is not, um, not fun. <laughs> right. I, uh, the next question is they were asking what are a few, uh, beginner landscape photography tips, uh, or a few things that beginner landscape photographers should remember. And I have two mm. just from watching your vlog, <laughs> uh, that stuck <laughs> out to me that I, cause I, when I had already had the question written down from the Instagram and I laughed a lot, I'm like, if they would just watch the vlog, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm curious. Let me hear yours first. So, so the ones that I picked up from the blog that I was like, Oh, this is perfect for beginners is when shooting landscapes with foreground where the focus is more on the foreground, you know, you want to be shooting at uh, a much higher aperture. So you want to make sure you're closed down to an F, you know, 11. Uh, so you get all the detail, but if you're shooting a landscape that's infinite, you know, it's, three miles away or whatever it may be, then uh, there's no problem shooting that at five, six or at a wider, uh, more open aperture. There's no need to, to close down as much because it's infinite. For sure. For sure. And there's different variables in that too. Like right. it, some people say that, well, most people say that lenses are generally at their sharpest when they're at like F8, close to F8. Right. Um, so Especially if you go all... Yeah. So if you go to F32 on your lens, it's generally going to be maybe a little softer. Or if you stop down on a lot of lenses, let's say you're on like one of those 1.8 lenses uh, and you stop down to 1.8, you know, you're kind of you might degrade the quality just a touch. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, I, I just shoot whatever works. I, I don't try and focus on that too much, but it's something I do have in the back of my head. It's like, well, if I can do F8, I'll, I'll do, you know, F8 or F11 or somewhere around that, that F stop. But I will, I will say this though, for time-lapse, I like to stop down to, uh, or, uh, I like to switch the aperture to a little bit more wide open, like F4, because I don't want to see all the dust spots on my sensor. Because mm-hmm. I always have, I, I clean my sensor all the time, but I still always have sensor dust spots and they're fine to remove out of photographs they're super easy to remove out of photographs but removing those out of time lapse and video clips no no way they're they're, it's so annoying to remove them out of video clips and stuff like that so i try and um shoot those wider apertures for those types of scenes sorry for the rambling back to the question um tips for Beginners, yeah, tips. beginner landscape guys, beginners. little little Michael Shane blooms. <laughs> Sounds like a flower. <laughs> oh. Bloom, bloom flowers. Um, man, I'm trying to think of uh, good tips. I mean, uh, you know, technical tips or creative. You know what? I, I'd say creative tips are probably more important than mm-hmm. the technical tips. And um, don't be afraid to just try what it. The, since you're using, well, generally you're probably using a digital camera. There's no, you're not going to run out of, Shots. well, you could run out of memory space, but you generally, you know, you'll have multiple cars. Just try different things. Don't be afraid to think outside the box. Like if you see something on Instagram and there's a certain formula for getting a certain image, I mean, I, you can, you can do stuff like that, but feel free to like try something completely different you know, and it may 
you may be surprised with how much it works and how much you enjoy that versus like, it, here's a good example. Like if you saw a photograph of Yosemite on Instagram, you're like, I want to go take that picture and you go there and you set up your camera and you take the picture exactly like how you saw it on Instagram and you post it. That's fine. I mean, you know, you have that photograph, but try, try new things. Try not to, try not to see things and like, think, oh, I, I need that because then you get it in the, you get this expectation in your head, like you need that specific photograph and nothing else will do. But the thing that you may have not seen off camera or the thing that you may have seen that was just to the right or the left or a slightly like a change of millimeter might've been even a more compelling shot or something that's more unique to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so not getting influenced too much by what you see on social media and just, you know, you can be inspired by what you see, but don't let that restrict you from expressing your own creativity because you, you're your own human being, you're your own artist and you have your own ideas. And some of the, those ideas are super valuable if you let them come out, you know, and if you're able to just get out there and express your creativity. And I've, I've, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've taken so many weird pictures that I'm like, Oh, that didn't really work. You know, I, I've, you'll end up feeling a lot, a lot better when you create something that you feel like is that fully represents your own creativity. You know, I couldn't agree more. I think it's important to stay curious and to never stop experimenting because I think that's the goal of an artist. That's kind of like what we do (laughs) as artists, (laughs) all artists, you know, you, you are curious about things and you're constantly experimenting with new things and, that's how you create original, fun, beautiful, awesome art. And moving into the last question, I stopped saying the people's Instagram handle because it's not live. And it's like, if this was like a live thing, I think it makes more sense to read them out. But for sure, for sure. The last question is actually, you kind of touched on it already, was lots of people and this multiple people ask pretty much the same question, which is how do you come up with your own creative style or do you have resources on finding your own style, which is always such an odd question because like what you just described is kind of pretty much your style your style is your eye and how you view things create things angles colors captions everything you know just like uh you are the style (laughs) yeah essentially um i think it's really hard to define and i actually made a video on this a while ago i don't remember if my video was any good or not it's on youtube um but i i touched a little bit upon like, what does it mean to build a style? And can you even really predict that? Is it something you're doing intentionally? Are you like, I need to change my style? And I would say no, I I don't think that's the right way of going about finding your own style as a as an artist. Um, I think it's more of like a subconscious thing that you start doing as you keep progressing, you keep shooting and processing, and you find the things that you enjoy and the things that you don't. You find the things that are working for you and the things that you might, you know, move away from. And that's kind of where I think I found my style is I'd try different things and be like, that that works right there. And no, 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 that I don't I don't like the way that looks when it's like that. And, and it's just really all shaped by your experiences and, and what you choose to do as a photographer. So you're shooting, yeah, of course, your, your shooting style, your, your processing style, um, how you're displaying your work and what you're saying about your work. 
Um, I think it really is that style just comes from experience that, that, that would be definitely don't try and force it. Um, I think it's something you definitely find along the way. You find it along the way rather than making that choice of like, I need to change my style. My style will be this. Then it, then it will feel forced. It needs to come as this, this natural progression. And I think, yeah, the more you, the more you get out there, the more you shoot, the more you experience, um, the more that style will be shaped. Right. And I, you know, it's funny. I think the more you create from within, the more you're, the better you're able to articulate like what you do. I notice that people that just kind of copy other, it's kind of hard for them to talk about the image. It's kind of hard. They're not as passionate about it because the reality is it's like, Hey, I just, you want to know the truth? I saw George's photo and this was the angle. <laughs> and so I went out to Yosemite and I lined up my camera and I took the photo. Like that's what happened. And you know, versus, yeah. you know, if it's your own weird thing, all, there's like this whole story. It's like, oh, well, when I was a kid, I was really into Transformers and he <laughs> always did this. And I always like to look up slightly to my right. So a lot of my photos have like these weird compositions because that's like whatever it may be, you know, and that's mm-hmm. my unique view of the world is that angle, you know, or. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you. Yeah, I mean, when you find those little moments that are unique to yourself, you it's just so fun to have those and, and to be able to share those with people. And maybe they will enjoy them, maybe they won't. And the thing is, I've released a lot of photos that, you know, weren't as well received as others. And it's a, it's interesting. And, but they're still, I'd rather, I'd rather um, share something that means a lot to me then share something that ends up being, you know, popular that I, that I don't really care about. Um, mm. You know, I there's so many other paths I could have taken. Well, no, I, I was going to say there's so many other paths I could have taken career-wise, but it's like, eh, I don't know if I'm <laughs> very good at anything else. Um, but, you know, th- this isn't – photography just – I guess this is the, the thing I'll say with photography. It says – make sure that the photography is coming from your passion and your drive and your self-expression less from that place of wanting attention or popularity. That is the one negative aspect that I've seen from social media is the drive to put out work based on gaining that popularity or um, that recognition rather than just create something that you're truly passionate and happy with. Mm-hmm. I don't think happiness will come from that gain of that popularity gain. The happiness is going to come from when you truly create something that you're proud of. So that would be my one. T- it's just, you know, keep I, that in mind, make something that you're happy with. And as long as, you know, that's that it's, it, this is supposed to be fun. Just go out, take pictures, take pictures that you're happy with, have those experiences and, you know, that's what you got to do. I couldn't agree more, man. You just, I got all excited about what you were just saying because I built a music studio directly above me upstairs. And when I was finished, I was so proud. I built it for my girlfriend. I was so proud of myself. I was like, oh, I just built this music studio for my girlfriend. She's going to be so happy. This is going to be like such a cool surprise gift. She's going to be so stoked. And I was up there and I was like, well, dude, I felt good. And so I just, I don't make music, but I made music that night. Uh, I've always loved music and I always have tried to make music, but I've also realized that 
like a lot of people, I've just copied music. Like my music, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to sound like whatever the hell I listen to on the radio. And therefore, I don't really, there's not really substance to the music. I don't, I'm not proud of it. And I'm not like, oh, this is my music. But that day I created, for the first time in my life, an original original music it was weird it was super weird <laughs> it was funky it's about it was like it's kind of like a love song kind of to my girlfriend but like you know just from my dude it just truly came from the bottom of my heart and it was so original and so creative and to this day it's like my pride and joy it's like the thing like it's like that's my thing like there's no input like this literally i like this was my spirit this was the the spirit of Prince speaking in you know, <laughs> in music. This is me, and it's a really good feeling. You know, money can't. There's nothing that could recreate that feeling. That's awesome, man. Yeah, no. Uh, in anything that you do, you don't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Like, even when I first started taking pictures or when I think anyone probably started taking pictures, I mean, usually the pictures, they might not be perceived as good pictures in the classical sense or, you know, in a grand scheme of things. But, you know, did did you feel good, you know, taking those pictures? Mm -hmm. Did it make you feel Did it bring you that happiness, you know, and uh, you just got to. Like with your music thing, I bet if you kept going with it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> keep going, keep progressing that. But the the truly the the important thing is that that it brought you that happiness, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, awesome. and I've I've noticed that like weird things, even with photography, like style. Someone might have a weird style, and so they feel uncomfortable. And people I've noticed, like I've seen people make fun of them or be like, "Oh, look how they're look what they're doing now." And it, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden, a year later, it's like the thing. And more or less, what I'm getting to is. A lot of times, new trends, like when you're on the verge of creating something awesome or new, it's weird. It's not normally people aren't like, that's amazing. A lot of times they're just like, I don't know about that. Why? Because it doesn't look like everything else. And so they therefore kind of stand offish. But over time, it's like, I really love this thing. And so anywho, do what you love, stick with it, and like just pick a lane, run it, switch it. It's your life. Live it. Like (laughs) you don't need to follow any rules. Just... Do your thing. I had one last question before I wrap up with the ending question, which For is sure. these amazing time lapse films that you do. I don't think people understand how much time goes into these, and so I just wanted to ask you how much time goes into creating something like uh, Liberty, like your New York City time lapse from pre-production, scouting, shooting, mm-hmm. editing, etc. Like, what's an estimate of of time you think? Well. Um, I filmed a lot of that in a trip in 2016, and I was there for, I think, two weeks capturing footage. And I probably could have put out a film. I shot every single day for two weeks, right? Uh, And I probably went through and started working on a video for like a month. Uh, And I probably could have put out the video then, but it just didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel like it was done. So I went back in 2017, 2017, yeah, went back in 2017, captured more of New York for about two weeks, got a lot more footage, got more unique shots, um, started piecing together more edits. So, you know, probably spent making, making like five more cuts after that. And it just, it still didn't feel done. I was like, 
I don't know. There's something about it. Maybe there's just a few final touches that need to be made to make this thing work. Uh, so then I took one last trip in 2018 uh, and captured New York for about a week, and I got those few extra shots that I was looking for to finalize and finish the video. And then I finally was able to release the video. Uh, when was it? A few months ago? 2000, I think like right in, at the beginning of the year. Of the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that video was kind of a work in progress for over about um, three years. And that's been the case with a lot of those time-lapse films is they'll, they'll take a while. I'll take a bunch of trips to make the film and I'll just go through so many different cuts. Like a San Francisco video, this is probably the one that's been the worst for me is I've been working on a San Francisco time-lapse since before I moved to San Francisco, just like <laughs> six years ago. And I've gone through 50 to 60 different video cuts wow. with different songs, different footage. I probably made in the process like 10 time-lapse films of San Francisco just trying to find the right edit and the right ah, just the right piece i think you know what it puts a spark under me the the further some places away from where i live like if i'm if i go out and capture a time lapse in italy you know i know that i'm not going to be able to come back there soon so i'm like i i need to i should finish something here but when something is so close like i live here in san francisco it's so easy to go out and shoot more footage it never feels done and yeah that new york piece definitely took a long time yeah, some some videos some videos take a little quicker. Some I can like, you know, shoot for three weeks, get enough footage, and then cut it together for like a month or two. Uh, and then others will take years for sure. Dude, I love the vision you have for these videos, and I don't mean vision as in like I know exactly what this is gonna look like, and the first edit's perfect. I mean vision as the emotional vision it's like it's like eq it's like when you listen to music there's it's not like oh there's a good bridge and this and there's a guitar and there's a drum so that's the perfect music song it's more or less it's just like that's the right feel that's that right there that's the right note that's the right drum i can feel it like it's right now but you for might sure, be playing man. with sounds for weeks trying to find that right sound until it goes boom that's it same thing with an edit i love that you have the vision of saying like yeah it's good enough and i could put it out but it just doesn't feel right, and therefore I'm going to keep pushing this thing until I feel like it's at a place to what makes me happy and that I can be proud of this piece. Yeah, it's like, do you want to? I, I just can't. It's it's a it's a it's a pro and con in a lot of way. Like in a lot of ways, I would say, um, you know, maybe I I've, I've been trying to finish videos a little quicker and share what I'm doing a little bit more since these these videos do take a long time. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it, I just can't, I just don't want to put anything out that I'm not 100% proud of and 100% ready to release. I want to make sure that if I'm not, not even, you know, posting it online, but even just sharing it with family and friends, like if I show this to them and we watch it together, am I going to notice the mistakes that I should have fixed or, you know, is this done? Is this a final piece? Now, here's the funny part about it. Here's the kind of ironic thing. Each year, you know, you change as an artist, you hope, you know, you progress. So, I mean, I look back at the work that at the time of releasing, I thought was perfect. There's no way it could be better than this. And then, of course, a year later, you get better. You find out new things. You learn 
And then you look back on that work and you're like, oh man, there's so many things I should have done differently. So it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, every single time I do that, I notice those little things, but, um, I guess that's, there's a beauty in that too. I like looking at, is some people kind of cringe looking at their old work and, um, there's a little bit of that for me, but I definitely enjoy, I like look, going back and looking, reminiscing on the old work and seeing what I, you know, ah, oh, man, I should have done this differently. But there's something to be said about that was a time in your life. That was the point that you were at as an artist. And especially looking at the old time-lapse films, I feel that a lot. But you want to always be, you want it, you want it to be that way. Mm-hmm. You don't want it to be the opposite. You don't want to be looking back at your old work and you're like, damn, I was, I was, putting out a lot better stuff then than I am now. You want to, you want to feel like your old work is, is not as put together as your, your newer work. You, no one is ever done as an artist. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how, how you look at them in this space. Everyone has something to learn and everyone is constantly learning or should be constantly learning. I feel like I'm constantly learning new things every single day. Michael, I'd love to bring up your takeover that you just recently did with us on the Art of Visuals Instagram account. If you guys haven't had a chance to check it out, make sure to head over to Art of Visuals and you'll see, what'd you do, like four or five images the other day, Friday? Yeah, I think we were doing, it was um, four or five carousel posts with different time lapses and photographs from a variety of different themes. I did one that was just uh, waterfall images, and one of them was the dunes, the Death Valley dunes, some of my favorite images from the dunes, Uh, lava in Hawaii. Yeah, we did did a bunch of stuff, and um, the the response was just incredible. I mean, the the art of visual community is just such an awesome community, so positive, and I, I I was blown away just with the the positive reception and, you know, I made sure and read through all the comments and it definitely, it made my day. So I was, I was super, super happy to, to do that takeover. Dude, I love that sitting across from you right now and just seeing the smile on your face warms my heart. <laughs> makes me very excited. I'm, I'm glad that was an enjoyable experience. For sure. Yeah, no, anytime. Let's do it again. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, for sure. Yeah, I want to share more. Like, dude, your stuff's just amazing. So, you know, I'll definitely be reaching out to to come up with new creative collaborations. And anytime, feel free to holler at me with any ideas, dude. I'm 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 all about it. I love when I love when people come to me with good ideas and like <clears throat> how they'd like to execute them versus like, hey man, let's do something. I'm like, cool busy everyone's busy yeah. like what do you want to do <laughs> like, i've been guilty of that as well <laughs> but i'm definitely down let's do more collaborations i'll try and think of more ideas but if you guys think of anything on your end uh you know we'll, we'll make something work for sure most definitely i think it'd be fun to get some of these time lapses at some point up on igtv i don't know if you've tested how they look quality wise like if they hold up or the- i think you'd have to flip them vertical they don't they no. don't do good in that 16 by 9, you know? They they look better when you flip Which the... is which is cool. I'm all about that. I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't you can't cut that. You leave it how it is and you just let people turn the as Nick would say, turn thy phone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um awesome, man. Well, to wrap things up, I'd love for you to uh you know, share some words of encouragement with the AOE community. Uh whenever you're ready. All right, cool. 
Well, hey, Prince, thanks so much for having me on, man. I mean, this was long overdue, and, and this was such a fun conversation, so I really appreciate you allowing me to come on the podcast and hang out. You guys are all amazing. Just keep getting out there. Take as many pictures as you can. Keep expressing yourselves uh, and encourage others around you to keep creating their art. You know, We're on this social media platform. Let's be social. Just uh, encourage your fellow, fellow photographer friend to keep on going and let them know what they're doing right. Yeah, just keep keep getting out there, keep creating, keep expressing yourself, and most importantly, have fun while doing it. Michael Shane Bloom, ladies and gentlemen, that's Shane Bloom Photography on Instagram. Be sure to follow him. Check out his website, shanebloomphoto.com. He's got tons of great content and workshops, and I would highly recommend you guys booking one of these workshops and getting out with this guy in the field. Outside of that, just stay up to date with him. He's awesome. Be sure to stay tuned for more episodes. Be sure to subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Artivisuals. Uh, shop.artivisuals.com for any editing tools, music, and other creative, creative products. And that's it, folks. Stay tuned for next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the AOV Podcast. Our goal here at Art of Visuals is to keep everything free and to keep creating great tools and resources for you guys to utilize to, to achieve all your guys' dreams in the photography, filmmaking, and content creation world, even entrepreneurship. With that said, we've picked up Adorama as a sponsor to help us cover some of our costs, and we're grateful for them. All we ask of you guys is if you're going to purchase gear, we'd really love it if you guys would head over to Adorama.com and make your purchase there instead of elsewhere. And just know that when you guys do that, you guys will also somewhat be supporting Art of Visuals and allowing us to continue to create great content for you guys uh, like our podcasts, our free app, and a lot of the other great things we do. Also, if you listen to the podcast, all of the AOV presets are now free. So check out our website, shop.artivisuals.com. Go get some free presets. The artist presets are still for sale. If you want to support the artist and you should support the artist, uh, just know that that money goes to them. And we're also going to be reworking that commission structure here in the next month. So we're really stoked about that. But go get some free presets. And if you guys want to buy gear, please support us. Help us out. Go to Adorama.com. Peace.